It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. You can find me on Twitter at Nasty Newts. Uh, with me today, as always, the one, the only Joshua Adkins at Dynasty Oasis. How's it going today, Josh? It is going fantastic. Another day, uh, another chance to uh, to dive into some fantasy football stuff, and uh, I'm excited to do it. Um, speaking of kind of diving into some fantasy football stuff, uh, most of my leagues, for those who don't know, are, are hosted on FFPC. So kind of a big deal for me this week was that the uh, Dynasty GM feature over on Dynasty Nerds added FFPC lineups to their um, auto sync or whatever they, you know, whatever you call it to get them to load up into that feature. And um, boy, I've been having some fun playing around with that tool on the website today. Um, I only had one sleeper league up to this point, but uh it's a fascinating thing to sort of see where you're, you know, take a broad look at your at your teams and where you rank within leagues. And um, for how many leagues I have now, this thing is going to save me a lot of time during the during the season, Newts. Yeah, I think the thing I like best about it, um, I'm relatively new to the feature, um, but just it, it really helps when you're, like you said, exploring for trades rather than having to click through 11 different rosters trying to find a fit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of a graph that shows kind of everyone's, you know, what what they're deep at, what they're shallow at, just kind of at a quick glimpse. So you kind of know which teams to click on first. Um, yeah, I would highly recommend it. Um, I'm definitely going to play with the tool more um, now that I'm in a bunch of different leagues uh, there. You can just look at like your player shares. Um, if you're in 20 leagues, you want to see which players you have on the, you know, the, the most teams I got five shares of right. whoever. So are you over invested uh, in any players, right. especially players who are maybe potentially overvalued in dynasty? And is it time to maybe move a share or two? Um, it really does give you a sort of wide range snapshot on, especially if you've got a lot of dynasty teams, it is, it is worth the 50 bucks as if the film room was not already. Um, I know we've both used that and praised that a lot on this show, but holy cow, the Dynasty GM is a really cool tool now that I've got uh, more of my leagues open to the functionality. Um, so that was very cool. Uh, it's also Clemson Pro Day today, Newts. Yeah, Clemson, what, Texas, um, Texas had their well, Pro Day yep. as well. Um, I know you're, tomorrow. you're tracking all this stuff for the nerds. Um, uh, the one thing that struck me as most interesting was Amari Rogers taking some running back reps at Clemson. Uh, he definitely has the body type for it. And I kind of wanted to ask you a question. Maybe this is too off the top of your head, but um, we've talked recently about how deep of a wide receiver player mm-hmm. pool there is in the league and this uh, draft class specifically and running backs feeling a little uh, weak. Are there any other wide receiver prospects in this draft you would like to see maybe get some work in at the running back position? Well, when I saw this this question on the show sheet, the easy answer, the, the obvious thing that popped into my head is Rondell Moore. I <laughs> genuinely think he looks, especially if you've seen him in some of these workout videos where he's not wearing, you know, a full set of pads and, and shoulder pads and the whole nine. Uh, boy, he looks like a running back. I mean, he is squat and just those big, thick thighs that you see on, you know, a lot of these top runners. Um, that's a guy that I, I legitimately think now, I don't know that he's going to be asked to make that transition. I'm not saying he can't succeed at wide receiver, but in terms of a dual skill set, uh, God, I I really think he could be a successful running back at the next level. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he'll be a running back on some of my Madden franchises because I can force him. <laughs> I can force him to make that change without his consent. But, um, and if you are a guy like that, that can do both. 
um, with how, you know, much, you know, we know traditionally you're going to probably make more money as a great receiver than a great mm-hmm. running back, but is there kind of a value opportunity for some of these guys to go out and make that change? Do you think, or would what? you prefer to stay at receiver? Well, why don't you ask Curtis Samuel if there's value to that role? Because I, I think it's a legitimate big reason as to why he was able to break out, gain the confidence he was able to to gain this year in Carolina and potentially get himself a big, big payday going into the free agent market this year. Um, you know, I think when Christian McCaffrey went down, um, what kind of really sort of was the catalyst to the start of his big season was sort of the ability to take four or five handoffs a game. Um, and while, you know, we're talking about Rondell Moore, we're talking to Mari Rogers here. They may, may never be asked to do that in a huge volume type of role, but I do think it could be a way to get these players on the field early, get them some confidence with the ball in their hands and could just be sort of that catalyst to, you know, production and, and, and bigger things down the road. Yeah, you really think it really makes you think about how much uh, Curtis Samuel's uh, formative years in this league were wasted by a lack of creativity. Uh, he was almost too redundant with McCaffrey. They mm-hmm. drafted him in the same draft, and we liked the idea at the time, but they were just unable to unlock his full ability. Maybe it just you know he was too stuck behind McCaffrey's heavy touch um, needs. But man, yeah, I, I think. This is definitely a trend that's going to continue in the league, and I, I like that we have a lot more of these types of guys coming into the league. Um, hopefully the play callers can adapt and be a little bit more innovative than they have been in the past because we got some really exciting athletes coming in. Yeah, some dual, some two-way players, if you will. And I think the other big news from the Clemson Pro Day was, was Travis Etienne came in much bigger than expected, or at least in the weight department. Um, I know all the measurements are out there right now, but the one that struck my eye was the 215 pounds. And, you know, while I think we have to add a half of a tenth of a second to these these hand-timed 40s, uh, he also ran 4.41 at that size. So uh, maybe not the 4.3 blazer that everybody expected, but 4.41 at 215 pounds is a very good time. Um, I've heard some Alvin Kamara comps out there. I don't know that he's quite that good of a pass catcher, uh, but I think maybe he offers a little bit more juice uh, as a between-the-tackles runner. Um, so I think this was a, an impressive showing for Travis Etienne, and I think you know it locks him in at the, maybe at that RB2 in, in, in my book, at least. We haven't seen what, what Javante Williams will do at his UNC Pro Day, uh, but Etienne, boy, I mean, these are, these are the type of measurables you're looking for in a lead back. Yeah, I saw Matt Miller on Twitter was super pumped about him mm-hmm. getting up to this 215 marker. It puts him in that ideal BMI you know, range for his uh, – height or whatever so yeah this is good news if you're an Etienne supporter if you're an early drafter that's already locked him into one of your teams uh yeah I agree he's my RB2 now as well I I think I just kind of I don't know fell into a trap with uh Javante but yeah I, I mean and I still like him but yeah Etienne I think has you know significantly more upside so this is good news for him absolutely Agreed. And then kind of the last big news, and I don't know it'll be the last big uh, cut news you're going to hear between now and the next time we record a podcast, but uh, the Chiefs cut both of their starting left or their left and their right tackles, uh, Mitchell Schwartz and uh, uh, Eric Eric Fisher. Fisher. Thank you. Yep. Um, So uh, probably takes a little bit of the steam out of potentially them taking another skill position player at the top of this draft. I think the Chiefs are going to be uh, heavily looking to uh, find a way to protect Pat Mahomes, especially with how the Super Bowl went. Um, you got anything on that one, or should we preview the show? 
Yeah, I just thought I, I saw a few people on Twitter um, saying things like, you know, maybe now's the time to get out on Mahomes based on what we saw in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I thought that was just ridiculous. So if you can use this as a buy opportunity, uh, go crazy because uh, don't sell Mahomes for really any reason unless your you know, team's not ready to be a winner. But yeah, right. I, 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 they're going to figure it out. I'm not too worried. The Chiefs will attract players that want to go for a Super Bowl. So maybe they bring in Riley Reef, the guy the Vikings cut, whatever. <laughs> They'll figure it out. They'll be fine. So I agree. Uh, so on today's show, we've got the uh, NFC West. We're doing more of our divisional uh, offseason primers. Um, we're going to try to squeeze all of these divisions in, at least here, kind of right before or right at the start of free agency. Um, so we wanted to get the NFC West in today. That's our next one in line. Um, and then we are going to be doing, well, normally we'd be doing our prospect film draft here, but um, with free agency impending, we thought we would do a little bit of film review on some of the big names that are going to be out there in free agency. Um, so at the end of the show, we'll wrap up with a little free agency film draft and we'll take uh, our game pass and the all 22 that's available there and uh, go watch a little Aaron Jones, Kenny Galladay, um, Johnny Smith, kind of whoever gets drafted in the uh, the show today. So uh, that's what we got coming for you. And uh, Newt, you want to kick us off with the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks, um, they're kind of in the middle of a lot of the news right now, obviously, with Russell Wilson and uh, potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting a trade rumored with the Bears. I think when it all is said and done, Russ will be back in Seattle. I think there's this um, more smoke than anything else. Um, Maybe he does actually want to be moved. I I'd just be really surprised at this point. Um, it would take the Dolphins or the Jets to facilitate a trade. Yeah. I don't see how Chicago could do it. Um, I think Seattle's going to do everything in their power to retain him. Um, so yeah, I I guess if I'm um, treating Russ from a fantasy asset, if I'm a dynasty manager, which I am, um, if I'm looking to acquire, or looking to sell, or whatever, I'm still operating under the assumption that he will be back. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I think it's almost a near certainty that he's back. And I, I heard on a podcast, and I won't mention which one, that it was like a 90-10 that he was going to get out of Seattle. <clears throat> and I think that's just absolute crazy. Yeah, I think I would flip that the other, correct. The other that's, way. That's where I'm at, too. And and while that sort of scares me as a Russ manager in uh, at least one spot that I'm, I'm aware of, um, I think that they're going to find a way to make him happy. Now, they're overall team philosophy may never fit what dynasty managers are looking for. But as I say, you know, anytime you kind of bring up volume as an issue, I, even at the bottom end of the league, I think uh, passing volume is high enough where when you've got DK Metcalf and you've got Tyler Lockett, there's quarterback one seasons uh, going forward, even if he's, you know, a Seahawk, you know, uh, as we, you know, move forward for the next couple of years here. Um, so I'm not really, low on Russ. I think the community's low on Russ right now, though. Um, what do you think you could go get him for in Superflex? Because I sort of feel like he's a buy. If you're sitting at 107 as a contender or a team that's looking to become a contender, would you offer that type of pickup to go get Russell Wilson right now? Do you think yeah. you have to pay more? Sorry, go ahead. I think if you're outside of the, the top four rookie range, um, I, I'd rather gamble on... Well, I'd certainly take Fields and... Uh, Wilson over Russ right now in most situations, but um, if you're a contender, you know, you're, you're looking at your, you know, QB two, let's say you have a a pretty good young quarterback on your team, whether it's Mahomes or Watson or something along those lines, I'd give up Trey Lance. I'd give up, you know, that, you know, earlier, you know, 
six, seven, eight, something in that range. I think that's reasonable. And I think that's something I would do as long as, you know, you're pretty confident in your skill position players on your roster. So I think it's roster dependent. Um, like most trades, obviously I, I probably don't need to add that caveat, but, um, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a good buy opportunity for him right now. I, I would be trying to make some offers. Right on. And I, you know, I think while we both see it as unlikely that he moves on, um, the running back situation has obviously been a pretty fruitful one there in Seattle. Um, I will say obviously with Chris Carson being cut there, you know, is a lot of hype on Rashad Penny potentially being the guy right now. I think DJ Dallas is a guy that's sort of, um, an under the radar, uh, name in the dynasty community, especially in the, you know, guys who are big into Debbie. Um, do you like either one of them going forward? Do you expect Chris Carson to be back? What is your thought process on the running back here in, in Seattle? Yeah, I see a lot of people on Twitter um, gambling on Rashad Penny, giving advice, go out and buy him. And that's fine as long as um, you're not paying a premium just because he looks like he might be the starter. I do actually think I would um, target DJ Dallas um, more often than I would target Penny. I don't think Penny's significantly better than Dallas. And in the situation where they didn't bring anyone else in meaningful, I couldn't. I could definitely see a path for Dallas to, be, you know, taking at least half that work, maybe even just straight up beating sure. out Penny. So Dallas would be the guy I would personally gamble on. But I think more likely than not, this is a, you know, they don't have a ton of draft capital in this draft, so mm -hmm. maybe they don't draft anybody. But, um, yeah, they do have a little bit more cap space than you would maybe think. Um, they have some avenues to get more. I think they're sitting at 21 million right now. They do have a few guys they might want to bring back. But, um, yeah, they could, you know, I, I think there's – um, really a good possibility that Chris Carson ends up coming back there. That's, I think that's what makes the most sense to me. So I don't think I'm going too crazy on either of these guys, but getting, I don't know, Dallas for a fourth round pick or a throw in on a different deal. That's sure. something I would do. Sure. And I, I like what you said there about if Chris Carson doesn't come back. And I think that's where it becomes interesting. If Carson comes back, I'm not paying a lot to go get him, but I think you can expect sort of what you've gotten in recent years, which is a lot of injury, you know, injured weeks, but good when he plays. Um, if he's not back, my thought process is this is a team that um, made Thomas Rawls a thing who is an undrafted free agent. I believe Chris Carson was a sixth round pick or maybe he was undrafted as well out of Oklahoma State. Um, this seems like a team that doesn't even really need a lot of draft capital to go address the position. So the way I'm attacking this, if Chris Carson is not back via free agency, is whoever's cheapest, and if that ends up being DJ Dallas, if that ends up being an undrafted rookie, whoever's cheapest, I'm taking multiple shots on in multiple leagues. Um, but I'm probably not going into paying for the one who's expense, uh, expensive, the one who's the projected quote-unquote starter, unless that's Chris Carson. Um, so I do think that there's a buy opportunity. I just don't know that we'll know for a month and a half who really that buy opportunity is. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I like your thought process of betting on whoever looks like they're going to be the winner, um, betting against them, fading right. that and, and just maybe trying to get both of the understudies. Um, the odds are good that at least one of them will get meaningful carries at some point with a much cheaper acquisition cost. So I like that, uh, idea. 
Um, as far as the passing game, a lot was made of, you know, letting Russ cook early and then going back into old ways. Um, seems like Tyler Lockett's extremely cheap right now, but I've even seen a lot of DK pushback, um, uh-huh. dropping him down rankings. Are, are you trying to buy either of these guys or both right now? Um, if you're a manager that's heavily invested, are you on the other end? Are you trying to get out um, with all the uncertainties surrounding this team? What would be your general advice for uh, fantasy managers here with these two? Yeah, as far as DK goes, I had to think about this one for a while because it, it feels like there's no way he'd be undervalued coming off of the season he just had. Um, and yet I've done two startup drafts now. And he goes below Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs sometimes, DeAndre Hopkins sometimes. Some of these guys that I believe are a, a, a tier, low, tier lower. If you look at my dynasty wide receiver rankings, I have CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, and A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf in no particular order in that top tier of wide receivers. At least that's how I value them. I don't see D.K. DK Metcalf, and I almost rarely see A.J. Brown taken in that category. So to me, it almost feels like the two rookies from last year, Jefferson and CD feel a little overvalued and DK and AJ Brown are actually getting kind of pushed below some of these more standard producers, more, you know, uh, proven track record type players. And in that sense, I think DK Metcalf is absolutely a buy. If I had Devonte Adams right now and you could flip him straight up, and this is not a deal that I typically like doing, um, but maybe the, the better way to put it would be if I had Miles Sanders right now and I could flip him for DK Metcalf, which is kind of that same range, at least if you're looking at startup ADP. That's something I'm doing right now. I think he's a little bit undervalued in the community. Um, I think there's still some people with take lock that didn't like the body or didn't like the three cone or didn't like the movement skills coming out and were kind of proven wrong very quickly. Um, I, I feel like he's a guy to go try to, you know, at least make some offers on right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, how about Lockett? I think he's a little bit even more polarizing. I see a lot yeah. of people, I think he's getting um, pushed way down the value charts. And a lot of that, I'm not even sure how much it has to do with him. It's more just all these other names coming into the league or establishing themselves. I feel like he's kind of becoming a sneaky, cheap value. Like, I feel like his acquisition cost right now has got to be way lower than it, it ought to be. It feels like Robert Woods three years ago. Is yeah. kind of how it feels to me, because you're absolutely right. I don't think, you know, people have been projecting regression onto Tyler Lockett for one reason or another for three years now. Um, and he somehow keeps going out and making plays, and that's because he's a really daggone good football player. Yeah, he's a talented and, player, man. And right. The, the uh, production isn't always consistent, but I don't think that's necessarily his fault. And if we're going to be talent over situation – I, I think he's pretty gush darn talented, man. Thinking, thinking this out. So I think we've talked a little bit about kind of where we see the drop off, the flat tier begin in this draft class. And I think it's depending upon if you're in super flex or in single quarterback, it's either at about pick 10 to about pick uh, 14 is kind of where that drop off to a big flat tier uh, begins. So if you're in super flex, you know, early second round pick, I would be making a bunch of those offers. I might even include some future capital to go get Tyler Lockett right now. If I'm sitting at 111 or 112 in a single quarterback, I mean, I think he could be had for that type of price um, just in the rookie hype sort of machine that we're in right now. Um, and I don't know. I think that's a price I'd be willing to pay. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, and I'm I'm starting to think that in you know maybe half my leagues I need to start shopping some of these picks because it's so mm-hmm. exciting to have a rookie pick. The uncertainty, the anticipation for the draft, trading those away is hard. Um, and people will pay a premium for those picks right now. So, um, yeah, if you're in one league, I can understand not wanting to sell them, but maybe, um, if you're someone like me or someone like Josh that plays a bunch of these leagues, start offering some of those picks out for guys that are clearly worth more than that. I think you'd be surprised how um, many accepts you can get if you're offering, you know, 110, 111, 112 out there for some guys like this. I think that's really interesting and a, a strategy I'm going to explore a little bit here in the coming days and weeks and months. I, I agree. And unfortunately, Seattle, I don't think, has a, a tight end that's meaningful enough to talk about. So I think we should just kind of move it into the offseason here. Um, they're looking at about $21 million in cap space. So actually in a pretty good spot there although they are losing some fairly high-end players and have some uh contract extensions to do uh kj wright could be on the out quentin dunbar carlos hyde chris carson we've mentioned a few times um they traded for carlos dunlop and have i believe already cut him yeah they cut him yep so uh a lot of holes to fill and not a lot of draft capital um, I think a lot of this $21 million is going to go into signing Jamal Adams because they're sort of pot committed to that with what they paid in terms of uh, two first-round picks to the Jets for him. Um, so I don't think they're going to have a lot of wiggle room in free agency. I think Chris Carson coming back on a team-friendly deal is very possible. Um, what are your thoughts kind of as we move into the offseason for this team? Um, and then why don't we talk a little bit about what we did for them in the, uh, the offseason mock? Yeah, this is shaping up to be a pretty robust offensive line, both draft class and free agencies, mm-hmm. getting a lot of names out there through cuts and guys that were just free agents anyways. Like you said, not a lot of draft capital. I'll start with our mock. They only had one pick in the first three rounds. Uh, near the end of round two, we gave them Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma, can play a little bit of guard in the NFL, we think. So mm-hmm. um, we're trying to make Russ happy with this pick, fix this O-line. It's been an issue for so long. I'm using this cap space as well. I'm going out and trying to snag a couple of guys, veterans, um, hopefully get something done reasonably priced. Just yep. get some bodies in here. Not, there's not one lineman in the league that's going to fix this line. So I'm going to throw you know, a bunch of different darts out there and bring in two, three, four guys, four or five million a piece, whatever, and use a couple of draft picks. Cause this is a pretty good uh, draft class for O-line. So I'm trying to fix Seattle the boring way trenches, man. No, I agree. And that's exactly what they need to do. And I think an interesting thing to point out here is even if they spend a good portion of this money on kind of keeping their homegrown or traded for talent, um, you mentioned bringing in free agents. I think, the idea of them going and spending big bucks on somebody is hard to fathom, but I think now we've seen this cap number. It's now locked in. It's $8 million below what it was last year, which is going to be constrictive on a few teams, if not every team, frankly. Um, and so when I look at kind of this free agent market, I think the guys that are big money players that are valued by the teams with space will get money right away. But then what's left is going to end up taking a lot of one-year deals on competitive football teams where they can start. And in that sense, I do think Seattle is able to address this position in the offseason through free agency, maybe not with the sexiest pick, maybe not right away. They may have to wait, you know, a month, you know, so or so into the into the free agent period to get it done. 
I do think it's something that they will address, at least assuming really either way. If you're going to trade Russell, you're, you're going to a run-based offense and you need an offensive line. If you're going to keep Russell, you need to make him happy. So go get him some offensive linemen. So I think it's pretty simple for what Seattle needs to do here. Um, and I think we address that at least in some form and fashion with Creed Humphrey at the uh, 56 overall pick. Yep. And uh, let's uh, move it on to the let's LA Rams. They uh, made the biggest uh, move of the offseason so far, acquiring Matt Stafford from the Detroit Lions. This is a team that does not believe in uh, owning any of their <laughs> own first round picks for perpetuity. I don't think they have a first round pick until I am about ready for retirement. So uh, really interesting there. Uh, Matt Stafford's always been one of those uh, underappreciated gems yes. in the NFL. Um, being stuck in so many bad Detroit teams, this is a team that's going all in. If you look at their cap situation, um, yeah. they're not leaving much room for imagination here. They have a window. Um, they know that uh, you know Aaron Donald's getting up there. A lot of their um, prize pieces aren't you know on the right side of thirty or you know on the right side of twenties. I guess twenty-seven. Some yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So um, they need to win now. And yes, they have a lot of talent, but this offseason is going to be kind of fascinating for me. They're thirty-two million over the cap still, at least according to Spotrack. I didn't check other sources, but just kind of being a little bit of a cap sleuth, I was just looking at their contracts, dead money for players, anyone they can extend. I honestly have no idea how they get under this number. They're obvious. They, I'm sure they have a plan, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be tough, man. I don't know how they make this team any better than they are right now. Yeah, it's going to be tough, and I think we should talk about kind of the the, the fantasy implications of Matt Stafford to start it out here. Um, obviously, you know, with Jared Goff, it felt like this offense was was constrained for a few years. I think the biggest thing that Stafford does is that I, I think Goff could support two wide receivers pretty well, and when they funneled the, the offense through one tight end, I think he could support a tight end as well. Um, but I think the big implication here is if all three wide receivers stay healthy, I think Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are obviously, you know, very, very stable assets in the NFL. But I think the guy that's interesting here is Van Jefferson. Um, I, I really believe Matt Stafford is going to be able to make three wide receivers viable. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at some of my FFPC teams, especially some of my stronger ones. Uh, Van Jefferson is right on that fringe cut line um, for for my teams. And, you know. Um, he's certainly not a guy that I want to cut, but I think that sort of tells you the story of his 2019 or 2020 season. Um, and maybe the fact that he's a buy opportunity right now in some of these, especially in some of these shallower format leagues, I think you could have him for an early third, late second type area. And I think I'd be comfortable paying that. Um, I think Stafford massively enhances this, this passing game. And I think um, it's going to be really fun to see, regardless of where the cap is. It's going to be fun to watch this offense and what Sean McVay can do with a competent veteran uh, quarterback that can not only execute his offense, but can coach the offense, can teach the offense to younger players. Um, I, I feel like so so much effort for McVay had to go into, you know, handling Jared Goff, if you will, that um, I really think this Rams team has a chance to be one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL next year. Yeah, I think it's going to allow Sean McVay to sleep a lot better at night. You could tell he really had to babysit Jared Goff through a, a, a complicated offense, one that he probably never really grasped fully. Matt Stafford's a student of the game. He works his butt off. He's you know a super tough guy. I don't think Sean McVay is going to have to worry about Matt Stafford. So he can get a lot more creative with things. Um, 
And and to your Van Jefferson point, Josh Reynolds is a free agent, so I don't think you got to worry about him kind of muddying the water there. Yep, so I do like your yep. advice on Jefferson. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. And Cam Akers, he looked like the real deal. So now they got a, a much more formative running game back, kind of back to their Todd Gurley era Rams. I, I you know, a lot was made of their committee last year, but. Sean McVay showed a willingness to ride, you know, the alpha, the lead yep. dog with Gurley. And we we both like Daryl Henderson, but I think it's fair to say this is Cam Akers' job 85% of the time. And I don't think you should be afraid of targeting Cam Akers based on what we saw last year with the committee. I think this is Cam Akers' backfield to lose. Yeah, we're, we're actually in the middle of a uh, FFP st- FFPC startup right now. Um, just to kind of scratch the itch until the draft here, Newts. And we took him at uh, 110 in the first round. So um, we're both very bullish. I think the thing I would say, I don't know that it's necessarily 85-15. I'm maybe a little bit higher on Daryl Henderson than you are. Well, um, I love Daryl Henderson. I just think Akers is the real deal. And I, I I don't know, maybe it's 70-30. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, though. Akers is going to get plenty. Uh, no, I totally agree with that. And one of the markers that I really like for him is I believe he's still a 21-year-old uh, second-year player. He was one of the younger prospects coming out last year out of Florida State. Um, so I think big things are in the works here for Cam Akers, and um, especially if they're able to fix this offensive line in some form or fashion. I know uh, Whitworth uh, was, is on his last legs. Is he, you know, is he coming back? Is he not? Um, yeah, he's yeah. a guy that could theoretically um, be a way to free up some cap space. He, uh, you know, at PFF, I was looking at, you know, kind of their rankings, just trying to find potential cuts for their salary. And yeah, Whitworth's a little spendy, but he was, I don't know, maybe like their fifth or sixth ranked tackle last year. So right. I got to imagine they're going to want him back at some price. Um, but yeah, he's also, what, 35, 36. So maybe we tried 39. to. We addressed that a little bit in our mock draft, but yeah, tackle certainly not a young spot on this team. Something they're you know got to worry about in the future. Definitely, and I think uh, the last thing we should talk about is Tyler Higby, who was a massive disappointment coming off of uh, his breakout year in 2019. Uh, was a guy that I liked a little bit about reception or in uh, uh, tight end physical graffiti. Um, but at the same time, uh, looking it back and looking at his route tree. And how limited he was in the in the production that he that he provided this Rams offense. I think maybe there was some more red flags uh, there than I really saw at the time. Um, what do you think about Higby? Is he a buy? I know Gerald Everett is is going to be hitting the open market, so uh, one would think there might be some open opportunity. But I also like Bryson Hopkins, uh, the rookie from Purdue the year uh, the year prior, um, and it's a team that's kind of spread this out. Do you think Tyler Higby is closer to 2019 or 2020? Yeah, I'm I'm a bit torn on this. I was hoping you would have more of a definitive answer on this because, yes, the, the <laughs> path is a little bit clearer now with Everett likely to depart. But uh, you mentioned Hopkins. Um, the the Stafford edition, you know, theoretically you think that would help. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to uh, target share. And I think he's still clearly fourth in the receiving pecking order. Sure. So he's not really a buy for me. If anything, he's a sell because people might get excited seeing there's more of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you're still rostering Higby, maybe, you know, the Stafford edition and Everett departure um, creates a bit more value for him than you would have had otherwise. So I guess he's probably more of a sell for me. 
Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I asked the question, but I'll answer it a little bit, too. I think he, you're absolutely right. He's he's a sell. And, and what I guess I referenced when I said tight end physical graffiti had a few red flags. Basically, all of his production came on uh, these boot actions, sort of what I was calling like a reverse out or a, uh, a slip out uh, route, essentially, where you're running you're running an out route, but you're doing it from the wrong side of the formation. I know that doesn't quite make sense, but just go with me here. And you're going to boot out with with the quarterback and kind of just run in front of him. So much of his production came on that type of play. And I don't think that's what the offense has to be anymore. I know I referenced right when they got Stafford that this boot action sort of um, offense that they were running largely to protect Jared Goff, but I think somewhat to protect the offensive line probably won't be quite the same next, you know, as we go forward. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean Higby can't be successful. I just know that um, a big portion of what made him so productive in 2019 um, came on that that route precisely, and it's not going to be a function of this offense. So in that sense, if the Gerald Everett eventual, you know, him hitting the open market presents a selling opportunity, I think you take it, um, especially in, in tight end premium where people are always very thirsty for tight ends that could produce. Well, and speaking of Everett, he might actually be a sneaky buy for me yes. right now because I've heard some steam that he's uh, been viewed by teams as um, a you know a starting tight end caliber player, and mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same way. I think he's a talented guy that didn't really get as many opportunities as he deserved, so I could see him ending up in a sneaky uh, spot. There's a lot of tight end needy fun offenses out there. Um, I guess one of our next teams up on the list could theoretically be a landing spot for him, but before we move on to the Cardinals. Uh, let's just kind of recap our mock draft of the Rams. Um, in the second round, we gave him James Hudson uh, tackle. Uh, I'm blanking on what Cincinnati. School. Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, thir- third round, they had two compensatory picks. Uh, we gave him Benjamin St. Juice from the Gophers, six foot three corner. Yep. Um, he, he's a prospect that kind of fascinates me. Um, he showed off at the uh, senior bowl. Um, so I, I think third round is you know, probably the early end of where he'll go, but I I, th- I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of creep up some draft boards. And then Patrick Jones, uh, DN from Pittsburgh, a guy we also gave to the Vikings when we did the NFC North, but a player I think we were both interested in. So, uh, yeah, they, they got some marginal help here. Um, but, yeah, like we said, no first-round picks. So these are three names we think could help them and, you know, have some upside in the future. Yeah, I really like the James Hudson pick. I, I'm watching NFL Network as we speak, and Bucky Brooks has him as the number five tackle in this class. Um, I, I think he's more scheme-specific, the number five tackle in this class, but I think he fits um, this outside zone move. You know, you got to be able to move really well in the system. I think that's precisely who he is. Um, I really liked that pick for for the L.A. Rams. So, fortunately, not a lot of fantasy implications here, other than that they need to get this offensive line fixed, and I think – um, James Hudson is it would be a step in the right direction there. Uh, moving on to the Cardinals, uh, this was a team that took uh, took a pretty big leap forward last year. But as we've kind of discussed, um, just kind of felt like they were one or two pieces away. They've now added J.J. Watt in the offseason. Um, they do have a couple big name free agents here coming up. But I think let's look at the fantasy side of this thing first here. Kyler Murray, obviously. Absolute breakout performance. Not that he was, you know, bad in his first year. He was just much more inconsistent. Um, the first half of this season, especially, he was an absolute game changer. Um, what are your thoughts on him moving forward? I think we both maybe have him valued a little bit below consensus. Uh, does that make him a sell for us? What What are your thoughts on Kyler uh, as a quarterback, both in Superflex and in single quarterback? 
Yeah, I think it's me just being a little um, skeptical of the archetype. Um, it's a good way to put it, yeah. Long-term value-wise, because as a runner, I'm sold. But as a passer, I'm not, I'm not as sold. He, he has the potential to be great. I just don't see the consistency yet. So for me to move him up significantly in my rankings, and this could vault him all the way near the top, if I see just more consistency with his deep ball, more consistency with him making the right reads, Kyler Murray might be my QB too. So I think, I don't know, I had to have to pull up my rankings, but I probably have him more in the five, six, seven range. Uh, so, let me, I've got it right here. You have him at quarterback five. Yep. Okay. The end of tier two. So I don't think I'm being harsh there. I just need to see a little bit more. And um, part of what I think could help him get there is adding another weapon. Yes, they brought in Hopkins last year, and he was great. He was, you know, a godsend for Kyler. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Christian Kirk, a guy we're going to talk about a little bit, he's still been pretty underwhelming. Um, Average. Do they best, look yeah. to replace him? Uh you know, use him as kind of the third guy and bring in someone a little different. I, I think bringing in, you know, maybe an upgrade at running back over Kenyon Drake, who's a free agent, uh, something along those lines. Um, Kyler is just, I, I just feel like they're missing one thing. Um, yeah. And I feel like there's a few different ways they could go about adding, but um, tight end is another thing. I, I kind of hinted at Everett. So I, I feel like they're in a really good spot, man. They got some cap space and yeah, they might want to, you know, use a little bit of that to bring back Hassan Reddick, or maybe not a little bit, a lot of that. Um, Patrick <laughs> Patrick Peterson's a free agent. I think I'd be fine letting him walk. Um, I'm not spending big on Kenyon Drake. I'd let him go too. But Reddick, I think, probably eats up half that cap space. Um, but they have a few, you know, they have path for maybe 10 million more in cuts. So I, th- I think they're in a good spot to go out and, you know, add something. I'm just not quite sure what I want it to be yet. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think they'll try to do it in the draft, but obviously free agent comes first. And, you know, I believe I heard them rumored potentially in the juju market. Um, so that that would be an interesting spot. I think you're you're 100 percent right. They need one more weapon because um, I've watched a lot of Christian Kirk. He was a guy that I was heavily invested in. Um, I've traded him away in a few spots where I was able to kind of get out still at a, a fairly reasonable price. But I've watched enough of him to know that um I think he's, I think you're dead on. He's a third option in an NFL offense. And so um, if that means they can add Kyle Pitts in the first round, I think that's as far as he go, you know, were to fall, if if he were to kind of slip down boards, it's about as far as he'd make it. Um, But, you know, it could be a wide receiver sometime in the draft. I think there's a way for them to do it. And uh, Christian Kirk, I, I mean, what can you get for him right now? Is there still a truther out there in every league that you could get a mid or late second for in court in single quarterback, maybe an early third in, in super flex? Is there somebody out there who would do that right now? I really doubt it. I, I would balk at that immediately personally, mm-hmm. but maybe you find someone, I think you're looking more, you know, mid third to early fourth, just, um, I, I keep hammering this point home, but man, receiver just insane. So I, I so think deep, yeah. Kirk's going to kind of just fall into the, the waste bucket. Um, I, I still have some hope for him. So yeah, I would be a buyer at, you know, a penny stock price, but I'm not paying anything significant to add him to my team, but I, I he shows flashes, man. I, I just, uh, I don't see any sort of consistency from him. And I, I think yeah, the Cardinals know that they need something better. 
Yeah, I think that's the big the big takeaway. And as far as Kyler Murray goes, cause that's kind of where we started. Um, I think you're absolutely right in just the terms of the consistency. But um, I think we're going to see kind of like Lamar Jackson. We may see as he gets better, you know, and I'm not saying necessarily Lamar is following that track right now, but I think Kyler could be a better player next year than he was this year and score a few less fantasy points. And I think that could ha- that could repeat itself one more year. But I think, you know, if we see more pocket passing ability from him and at his stature, it's a very, it's not an easy thing to do. You look at like Drew Brees, I think, would be the comparable size wise player to him. You, mm-hmm. you, you see Drew Brees in, in, inside the pocket. He's basically standing on his tiptoes trying to see over his offensive linemen. So um, it's a hard skill to learn. But I think, Kyler, um, it's going to it's gonna take a couple years because, he, he, as you put it, you can't keep being this running player f- forever. And I think um, we will see that development happen, but it may mean that the fantasy points go down slightly as the development is taking place. Well, and I don't know about you, but for me, um, you know, I, I believe in him a little bit more long-term than I do Lamar Jackson. Cause I, I, I think he has a higher passing aptitude. Um, and yeah, his mobility may go down to the point where he's no longer like a massive rushing threat, but it'll remain, um, a, you know, a big enough asset to just help him navigate the pocket and yes. still be a, a boot rollout guy. Russell Wilson. Um, so yeah, I see him having extender, a longer. Yep. Right, yeah, I, I think Russell Wilson's actually the better comparable. Um, yeah, he's you know hair shorter, but I could absolutely see him having a similar career path. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about Chase Edmonds? I think you know you talked a little bit about them potentially bringing in an RB in this uh, up, maybe this upcoming draft class, maybe in free agency. Um, Let's for the for the time being, because actually we did give him without giving away who we gave him. We gave him a rookie in this in this uh, mock draft exercise. For the moment being, let's say that they don't spend day one or day two capital on a running back. Chase Edmonds is a RB one, is an RB two, is an RB three, uh, and are you buying or selling? I'm I'm really torn on him. I like him a lot as a talent. I I don't think he's a, a twenty carry type guy. But I think um, he's talented enough to where the Cardinals shouldn't look to fully bring in a bell cow. I think this should mm-hmm. be a split back committee. I would gamble on Chase. I think I would buy. I would, um, you know, hope for a flex type player and, you know, maybe gamble on a little bit more usage. But, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going big game hunting. I don't think they're drafting uh, um, Najee. I don't think they're signing Aaron Jones. I think what's more likely is. He's kind of the third down back and, you know, the, the pass reception guy, maybe a low touchdown guy. But, yeah, I, th- I think I'd, I'd buy for a you know late second round pick in a one quarterback league or something along those lines. Yeah, I think if you could get him for that and there's there's no uh, no, you know, incumbent running back there, I think that would make a ton of sense. I think I'd even pay into the early second, frankly. Um, okay. I'm kind of a fan of the talent. I think if they don't bring in somebody, it'll be an indication that they really like Chase Edmonds, especially if they let Kenyon Drake walk, who's, you know, he's not amazing, but he's starter competent, I would say, at the NFL level. So if they let Drake walk and they don't bring anybody meaningful in, um, I think that would be, you know, it, it would give us a sign that Chase Edmonds is a guy to go potentially target as potentially a guy who could be like the Eckler of a couple of years ago, I think sort of is the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't bring in a tight end, Dan Arnold, you got anything there? Mm. 
Nah, <laughs> I know there's some definitely a few Dan Arnold truthers, truthers in yeah. the fantasy community, but I, I I'm not gonna fall into that You're trap. Not one of them. No. All right. Well, then let's just talk about the uh, the mock draft exercise we did for them. Unfortunately, uh, Kyle Pitts did not fall. So at 116, you know, we were we we kind of talked about it. This was, didn't feel like a great spot for them. We debated going running back early. Um, but Quiddy Pay was on the board, and and you know JJ Watt obviously is there, and Chandler Jones is very good. Potentially they bring back Reddick, but with all the moving pieces there, we thought you know let's address the the defensive end position, the edge position, um, more of a developmental player I think in, in terms of how he would work for Arizona. But you need rotational pass rushers as well. Well, um, when you're and, a good team, yeah. I love the idea of adding to a strength. Yes, yes, this isn't their biggest need, but it's something you're already pretty darn good at. Why not, you know, try and be elite at it, be great at it. Yep. Um, you can rotate a little bit more. And I, I'm all, I love teams that uh, have three premier, you know, pass rushers, keep the guys fresher. Um, so they don't break down in the fourth quarter. I, I you know, and it is certainly not their most glaring need, but I, I think it's a, a really good idea for teams like this. Absolutely. And then uh, at the second round, surprisingly, Rondell Moore was still sitting there. Um, and I think we sort of alluded to that in the segment. We, uh, we think Christian Kirk would be best suited to be a, the wide receiver three in an offense. He could be basically strictly the, the deep threat. Uh, if they were to bring in a guy like Rondell and now you've got, Hopkins on one side to do everything. You've got Rondell running all the short drags and quick outs from the slot. And you got uh, Kirk running down the down the other sideline deep. So we, we thought that'd be a really good compliment. And why don't you introduce the third round pick? Yeah, a guy that uh, I'm starting to like more and more. The more film I watch, Trey Sermon. I compared him uh, last episode, or no, two episodes ago, to kind of a poor man's Kareem Hunt. I thought mm-hmm. this was just really good value. I feel like he fits here. I think he'd be a good compliment to Chase Edmonds with the upside of taking the full job. Um, yeah, I, I think this would be a really good landing spot for Sermon for fantasy managers. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, and, you know, there's some other names on the board at the time that maybe, you know, would have made a little bit more sense for football. But this is a fantasy football show, so I <laughs> wanted to give him a running back. Yep. And, yeah, Sermon's a guy I really like. And late third round, I think that makes a ton of sense. Yep, I think that was good value for them. And I think it's at least a little bit of a different archetype than what they have with uh, Edmonds and potentially even Eno Benjamin, a guy we liked a little bit um, last year. Actually, probably a little more than a little bit, but uh, a guy that's still going to probably be there. Uh, why don't we move it on to the San Francisco 49ers? Um, and I think before we get into the offseason stuff, the, the thing to talk about is is quarterback here. And I think that'll kind of actually just take us into the offseason uh, stuff. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo, another both disappointing and injury-riddled season. Nick Mullins came in and played a little bit. Um, but obviously, this is a team that's been rumored for just about every quarterback under the sun, maybe us other than Russell Wilson, because they're not going to move him in division. Um if this is Jimmy G, that's where I kind of want to start this, because I think as much as we all want to see something different, I think that's still the most likely outcome. If this is Jimmy Garoppolo's team, how much does that hurt? Literally, I mean, there's five or six options in this offense that are interesting for fantasy. Um, how does that affect those guys, in your opinion? I think people treat him a little too much like a leper jimmy g's not a bad quarterback he's average and i think they're a well-run organization they have one of the brightest offensive minds at coach and kyle shanahan he's going to make 
you know, lemonade out of the lemons, if you will. I, yep. I'm not too worried about Ayuk. I'm not too worried about Debo. Whatever running back emerges, Kittle, obviously, I think they'll be just fine. Obviously, we would love to envision a shiny new object like a Deshaun Watson or even a Kirk Cousins would make this offense more interesting. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see a real path for it. Um, I mean, there is a situation like what happened in our mock draft which we'll talk about later, but I think more likely than not, unfortunately, Jimmy G will be back, but I don't think that's a death sentence by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it, and um, Ayuk is not an old player. There's there's a plenty long runway. Debo is in the same, um, same you know, mold. Kittle's getting a little bit older, but I think you look at these three players, and there's they're all guys that I want to go buy in Dynasty. So mm-hmm. if Jimmy Garoppolo was the starting quarterback to start the season, I don't know that you're right. I, I think you're right. I, it wouldn't change much for me, but I think it would change the consensus value and what you would have to pay to go get any one of those assets individually. I think it would significantly change that. Um, I think people are almost building a little bit into the value of those players. The fact that they, this team has really shown us that they want to be aggressive in improving, improving this position. So, you know, on one hand, I'd love to see Deshaun Watson go there because it's just wheels up for Ayuk and I own him in a bunch of leagues. But there's still room to buy some of these players, in my opinion. And uh, if the quarterback's not good, that's just presenting a better buying opportunity. Um, you mentioned kind of, the you know, we got them somebody in the first round of this this uh, rookie draft, um, a guy that I think they're going to have to trade up for. Um, but, uh, you know, I think before we get to that, Let's talk about George Kittle. He's uh, 27 years old, obviously is one of the more productive young tight ends we've ever seen. But this is two consecutive seasons now where he's dealt with some injuries. Um, As we mentioned, the quarterback position isn't exactly stable. In tight end premium leagues, you know, we just saw him go at the five pick, I believe, in a startup we're doing. Yeah. Uh, So clearly, I mean, even if that's a little bit bullish, you can still get a fairly decent amount for George Kittle right now. I sold him. Um, essentially for Saquon Barkley a couple weeks ago. Um, we brought that up on the show. Uh, what are you doing with George Kittle? Are you buying? Are you selling? Um, what's your thought process there? I did see a really good breakdown. I wish I could remember who it was, but someone on my Twitter feed did a really, really in-depth breakdown on all the injuries he's had from college till today. Mm-hmm. And if are they correlated? Are they not? Um, it, it seems like a lot of these injuries really weren't compounded by each other. It's, it almost led me to believe that it was more just bad luck. But at the same time, tight ends are just inherently more likely to take nasty hits, get yep. chopped down. So um, I, I'm not as worried about his health as others. But at the same time, like you said, the value that's there for him, I, I, I think I would absolutely be on the, the sell side of things. Even though I love him as a player, he's one of my absolute favorite guys in the league. If I can cash in for a Saquon or fifth overall in a startup type value, I, I think I got to be on that side of the equation. Yeah, that's absolutely where I am right now. And I've, I had three shares in FFPC up until – uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I I don't know. I might be considering uh, moving down the tight end tight end totem pole and seeing who I can pick up along with uh, that player um, for for George Kittle. Because yeah, the injury thing is a very real thing, and it you know it probably cost Rob Gronkowski the better part of the you know his early 30s in terms of production. So um, I I think it's an interesting conversation to have on George Kittle right now because he's such a dang good player. 
Um, in fact, he's one of the funner tight ends I've ever watched. But uh, it's it's a, her- a scary health uh, situation. Um, how about the running backs? Uh, Jeff Wilson really ascended at the end of last season. I'd say he was one of my better uh, redraft calls from last year, telling people to go pick him up in like week 13, week 12, based on the schedule and kind of his, you know, the fact he was coming back from injury. He really paid off on that. Um, if you had to pick one right now, who's the starter for San Francisco, assuming they don't address it, you know, with Etienne or whoever in the in the upcoming draft? Yeah, it, they have a type, and um, Mostert and Wilson, I both like them a lot. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to get both. I know that's cheating, but um, I don't think either of them hold up to a full season. Um, and I okay. think they yep. probably bring in another rookie. Um, I don't know if they use huge draft capital on it or not, but um, I think it's going to be a, a bit of a you know revolving door like last year. So um I, I think I'm just trying to, you know, get two out of three um, in as many teams as I can, or people like us that are in a lot of leagues, just get shares of all of them spread across the board. Sure. Um, I think for the, you know, acquisition costs, you're not paying a, a huge premium. And yeah, if I got five shares of Mostert, five shares of Wilson, five shares of, you know, whatever rookie ends up there. Michael Hasty, they still have, I believe. Yeah, throw sprinkle him in. Like you're gonna get paid off, you know, on a weekly basis somewhere. So I, I'm I'm absolutely in on the situation. I'm not betting on anyone specifically. I'm just trying to spread it around my leagues, if that makes sense. No, that absolutely does. And uh they've got twenty four million dollars of cap space. I think let's move into the off season here. Um, it sounds like Trent Williams wants to be back. I think they'll be able to get that done at a, at a team-friendly cost. Um, it feels like Solomon Thomas, I know he's going to be a free agent, but uh, it feels like you know with them trading away Buckner that um, he would be a component of their team moving forward. I know he's coming off the injury, so I think maybe they get him back at a team-friendly Yeah, and I don't think deal. Javon Kinlaw had much of an impact as a rookie. So he I would played think- much better down the stretch, but he started out very slow. Um, so I guess what I would say is I, I think a lot of this money is going to be spent internally. They also have to look at a, a long-term extension for Fred Warner, one of the best linebackers in the league. So I don't think this is going to be a team that's super active in free agency. I think if you see a splash move here, it's going to be in the wake of, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson trade potentially, um, maybe further down the line, a, a Sam Darnold trade eventually if, if New York um, either drafts a quarterback or takes, you know, goes and trades for somebody. Um, I think that's that's a possibility. Um, but uh, you got anything else that you want? You have any thoughts on sort of their free agent plans? Yeah, free agency. I kind of agree. I don't see them as a big player, but I do really like your Darnold take. I think that would be a really good spot for Darnold, yeah. a guy that I'm, I guess, a truther on. I think Darnold. I would love to see him in a better situation. San Francisco would get me pretty excited. No, I, I totally agree, and I think assuming the New York Jets are moving on, which I'm not even saying they necessarily should, I kind of, um, just in some some ways, I sort of feel like they should just be giving him another chance and spending that high-end pick on somebody who could support him, either on the offensive line or um, with a weapon like Jamar Chase. But if they do decide to go, you know, start the, the rebuild over again with a new quarterback, I think that's going to be the team that, uh, the, or San Francisco, I should say, would be the team that maybe would pay the most for him. Um, so I think that's an interesting, uh, idea. Let's, let's get into the, uh, the mock draft for, we had for them. Um, we had, uh, a little bit of good fortune here. I think, uh, the, the pick, let's just get it out of the way was Trey Lance at 12. I think if they're actually going to get Trey, 
um, it's pretty likely that they're going to have to move up for it. And I, I don't even necessarily know that that's um, outside of the question. I think Carolina will be trying to do the same thing. Maybe we're overvaluing these guys, but I really think uh, Trey Lance is not going to last this long. Um, but it you know, would be a perfect fit in a Kyle Shanahan offense. What were your thoughts on that pick? Yeah, I think getting him at 12 is very unlikely, but him ending up in San Francisco wouldn't shock me at all. Like, I agree. I think they'd have to move up to like six or seven, but I think they have enough ammo to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be worth it. And I think Lance would be a you know, one probably the the right guy for them to target because you you know you probably get them fourth out of the four quarterbacks, so you don't have to mm-hmm. trade up quite as high to get there. Um, and you know, you you roll out Jimmy G for one more year, let Trey Lance develop for a little bit. You don't have to rush him onto the field. Um, I think uh, kind of the best of both worlds for the Niners um, if they were able to land Lance. I absolutely agree. And then in the uh, second round at pick forty three overall, we gave him Calvin Joseph the. Uh, very fluid, very fast corner out of um, Kentucky. Obviously, Richard Sherman is going to be departing this offseason. Um, it's probably their biggest team need in corner. And while Joseph's a little bit of a developmental player, I think uh, the value was there for where we ended up taking him. Um, and then, you know, I think the probably the, the most interesting fantasy pick we made, well, I guess outside of Trey Lance for Superflex, um, we gave him Chuba, Chuba Hubbard at pick 102, one of their compensatory picks this year. Um, we kind of tossed and turned between him and Jamar Jefferson. Um, ultimately, we, we went with Hubbard because he fits sort of the archetype for San Francisco. Um, he's obviously been a guy that's been slipping down boards. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, this is. Yeah. If, if he really went to San Francisco, how high potentially could you see yourself moving him up? Um, I think he would, he would be my RB4, uh, unless Sermon ended up in a equally good spot okay um i i I would still have them behind you know the obvious ones Najee etienne and uh, javante williams but um yeah i think he would be the clear-cut next guy up yeah and i don't know that i'd quite elevate him that much but i i mean this this seems like a match made in heaven especially if they are going to use capital to either go address quarterback with the pick or use capital to address uh, quarterback via trade. I think, you know, a guy like Chuba Hubbard might be um, in the works. And, you know, we gave him the, gave him to him in the third round here. I think Chuba could be on the board in the fourth or fifth round. And, um, yeah, I think it's something to look for because he fits exactly what they like with that one cut, uh, break it to the house type player. He fits that wide zone scheme. Um, it seems like a match made in heaven to me. Uh, 100% agree. Yeah, I, when I did my film study on him, I don't know, a week ago or so, I kept coming back to this team thinking, man, that would just be ideal. Perfect, yep. yep. So, yeah. Well, should, we, should we get into the uh, prospect film draft here before we get out of here? Well, we'll call it the veteran film draft, the oh, free yeah, agent call. film Thank draft. You. But, yes, uh, yeah, let's do that. Um, uh, do you want to pick for each other like we have been doing in the past? Yep, let's do the first two picks for each other and then and then one of our you know own selections. So um, why don't I just go ahead and go first? Um, sure. I don't want to watch a Packers, so I'm just going to give you Aaron Jones. Um, I want you to kind of maybe, maybe even watch some from his 2019 uh, tape that was so good and, and maybe compare it to 2020, but just give, you, give me your thoughts on – what Aaron Jones has left in the tank, if you've maybe seen any slip in play, and and um, he's going to get paid in, in free agency, and should should we be buying on that? 
All right. Uh, sounds good to me. I will give you Curtis Samuel. Um, like one of the more interesting free agents. Um, him ending up in the right spot would be really exciting to me. So I kind of want to, you know, you just get a refresher on him and, and try and envision, you know, I don't know, two or three teams that would get you really excited if they signed Curtis Samuel. Perfect. Okay. And then uh, I guess we'll go snake style. I will also give you Corey Davis, um, a guy that you <laughs> um, were very high on as a rookie. He yep. obviously was not very proficient in his early years, but had a bit of a you know post-type sleeper breakout last year. Now he hits free agency. Um, what's the path for him to being um, you know equally valuable as he was last year uh i kind of want to just yeah a, a guy you probably should watch t- last year and the year before see where the improvements were made that's a that's a great one i, I you know i i sort of gasped because i i did spend so much to get him so this will be you know this will be a challenge I'm, but i'm going to come into it with a with, with a clear mind um the last guy i'm going to give you um is uh geez i just had it in my head sorry uh jo- johnny smith forgive me um, okay. I think he has a chance to be, you know, a guy that ascends into that top tier, especially if he lands in one of these um, prime spots. Uh, so Johnny Smith is, is definitely a guy I think that one of us needs to take a look at um, because I think, you know, we talked about it on the last show. There are plenty of good spots for tight ends um, as we move into free agency. And so um, John is going to be a guy that's going to be highly discussed this offseason. Uh, who do, who do you want to select for yourself as your third guy? Uh, if you got someone ready, go ahead. I'm okay. I'm I will because I yet. need to remember how good Kenny Galladay is because okay. I'm slipping way too low on him. Um, you know, I think he's one of the best players in the league. I know he's old, um, but I need to go back and, and sort of just do a refresher on him from 2019 and, and the little bit that we got here in, in 2020, um, just to sort of let myself remember how good Kenny Galladay is. And after doing that and and after seeing where he lands, let's have a more clear discussion about potentially where he belongs in ranks and what his value is in Dynasty. All right. I am kind of torn, but I'll go with the guy that probably more people care about. I'll go with Juju. Um, Okay. Last year, I think, was um, his usage was just strange. I kind of want to... Like, you know, we've talked about with a few guys. I kind of want to watch 19 and 20, sprinkle some of both, and sure. imagine the right spot for him. So, yeah, give me some juju. Perfect. I like that. So on the next show, you'll be hearing kind of our, our film breakdown from those guys from the past maybe two seasons, it seems like, for most of these guys. Um, so check that out. on uh, That'll actually be on the Tuesday show because we're going to maybe do three shows this, this upcoming week. Um, just kind of trying to get to all the stuff. There's a lot of news right now, a lot of – uh, action in the dynasty community and we want to you know get as much content out there as we can uh if you're looking for content you can find either of us on twitter at dynasty oasis is my handle newts you are at nasty newts uh n-e-u-t-z you can check out either of our work uh at dynastynerds.com at dynastyoasis.com one last time i'll say uh the dynasty gm tool is awesome it's worth every penny that you pay to become a nerd herd subscriber go check out nerds uh, it's, it's literally one of the, I'm blown away at how awesome that tool is. Um, when I just it, saw today, they added a bunch more, uh, 
prospect film room stuff. So they there's, did. Some, yeah, there's I know. Some games out there for guys. If you've exhausted all of the uh, the film for certain players, check again. I don't have the list of what's new, but there was a bunch of games added. So uh, I'm I'm happy about that personally. Absolutely. Why don't you get us out of here on a birthday? Yeah, Johnny Knoxville, your favorite jackass person who did a lot of stupid things. Happy birthday, Johnny Knoxville. Oh, Johnny. The the, the jackass bit was was awesome when it was when it <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, I don't live. know if that would work today, but it would no. for a sixteen year old kid, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. So I yeah, love Absolutely. Well, uh that's it for the show today. Check us out again on Monday afternoon, evening. We'll have a show out and again, maybe on Tuesday and for sure on Thursday. Uh, enjoy your weekend, Newts, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again. Yep. See you guys. Have a good week.